And so Tom has yeah, been uh, recently. Whoa. Yes, Tom has been. Uh, I'm here. Working. You're listening to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm your host, Daniel Fox, here along with my great friend, Thomas Balzamo. And uh, we're glad that uh, amidst the <clears throat> unusual schedule, maybe, you are, uh, you're uh, deciding to tune in at this point. And uh, we want to thank our patrons, those who support this podcast on an episode-by-episode basis. And, uh, and they're at patreon.com slash reason together. And we want to thank each one of you. And uh, Tom, you want to give a shout out here to somebody here? Yes, I do. We, uh, one of our patrons, that would be Nathan, uh, has upgraded now to the Elite Patron Society. Elite Patron Society. And what, what as an elite patron, does he get? He gets a free t-shirt mm-hmm. and he gets uh, access to the after show bonus content. That's really something too. I mean, the bonus content, when we're recording that, we're talking, I don't know, what, it's on average, would you say an extra 20 minutes? Yeah, 20 minutes. Uh, yeah. Per episode of, of extra conversation that we uh, dive into. Yeah. And it's usually a little more, I mean, if you think the main episodes are somewhat free form, <laughs> they are, but the after shows are even more so where we just kind of <laughs> We don't really care much <laughs> how it goes in the after show. Um, anyway, <laughs> so um, I, we were we were talking about how you were were doing, and I know that you've been busy and tired, and you're a part of you've been doing. I guess you, we call it mixed martial arts, right? I yes. Mean, for year for years now. Yes. Uh, since you moved, since nearly the time you moved into that area. Yeah. And that's been a. Um, neat for you on multiple levels, but even in ministry and, 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 um, you know, meeting people, but obviously there's a physical demand and you were, uh, basically right at the door of getting a black belt. And because of this whole shutdown thing, your classes went to online essentially. So meaning you couldn't test for your black belt. So they've just sort of like elongated the process now, right? I mean, you're just still training. And today you want to, I, they think they might find it interesting, your challenge that you had to do this week. Oh, what the, uh, the 600 rep challenge. Yeah. That, um, that way if they're not tired when they start listening to this podcast, they might be, but yeah, I think, I think our listeners ought to try it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think that would be fun. And then they can write in and tell us how much they hated it. Um, No, it's just, it's 10, 10 different exercises, um, 60 reps each or repetitions each. Mm-hmm. So totaling 600 and you set a timer for 15 minutes and you see how far you can get down the list. So you start with, uh, 60 burpees, um, which, which uh, are, are pretty like terrible from a standing position. You basically kind of roll down into a push up and then throw yourself back up and then come and start the whole thing over again, right? Um <clears throat> I don't know that you'd roll down. Do you know what a sprawl is? Like in in wrestling, do you know what that is? Kind of like when you go to all four like like spread Yeah, you basically just yeah. kind of drop down onto your, on, into like a plank position. Um fast. Okay. You drop down uh-huh. into it. You you want speed involved in it. So you're sprawling down and then you immediately pop back up and jump. <laughs> Uh, and then go right back down into another one, and you do that over yes. and over again, sixty times. Sixty times just to move on to the next exercise. Yes, uh, which, which is, is uh, one-legged push-ups. Um, now, now by one-legged push-up, you mean kind of like a like a one-legged squat kind of thing, or like you're touching your heel, or like 
What's a one-legged push? Or, or you mean like a literal push-up, but you're not on two legs, you're on one. Correct. Correct. Like okay. a regular okay. push-up with one yeah. leg off the ground. The reason for that is because it, it, it engages your core more for mm. core stability because okay. you'll okay. start to tip over one way if you got one leg off the ground. So you have to use your <laughs> core muscles to stay straight. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's 60 of those. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I think after that was jump lunges. Uh, which the plyo is, is kind of like that, that jumping activity. It's like when you do a push-up and you throw yourself off the ground and clap your hands. Yes. It's like a plyo yep. push-up. This is like plyo lunges. So you do one lunge and then jump into the next lunge, switching legs, and then back and forth. Um, uh, it, it, anyway, there's, there's a lot of different things in the list, but yeah, uh, yeah. you see how far you can get, and it just yeah. absolutely wrecks you uh, every well, single time. If, yeah, if they're like me at all, in 15 minutes, they're not going to get past the third one anyway, so we don't need that much information. <laughs> <laughs> it's debatable whether we pass the first one. Yeah. No, I think the first one's a possibility, but yeah. goodness. Then, uh, after that, we had to do 50 push-ups, and then 50 leg lifts, 50 squats, and then... 20 different 20 some odd different self-defenses for about a minute each just repping those so um pretty wrecked this week <laughs> yeah but all that being said uh tom may be tired but i, w- I still wouldn't mess with him i'd uh, <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't pick a fight with him <laughs> but uh, so so how are you what have you been up to i'm doing well um keeping busy finishing uh, um, a couple online classes and um um, yeah, how's that going? Pretty good. I mean, I'm kind of, uh, kind of. I feel I feel sort of like this constant um, this uh, weight in a sense of this constant homework over my head, and so I'm hoping that next semester I learn how to handle the homework um, better. <laughs> uh-huh. um, you know, it'd be a learning process there. But I mean, the classes have been have been good. I feel like they made they they um, affected me from day one. Yeah. Um, and, and it, yeah, it's just been great really. So, um, Good. so it's been a, it's been a, a great opportunity and, uh, and the, it's worked out fantastic through the video and I come to my office here and do it. It's just a nice setup and, um, and things have worked very well that way. And, um, so I have, have enjoyed that. Good. And, um, yeah, otherwise just, uh, stuff, I guess. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, to get to, I, I guess I want to reference this now, now six months down the road, you know, I hope people are still listening through our, our episodes. And, and so this is going to be a little dated then, but obviously at the, at the moment we're, <clears throat> we're right in the middle of this whole coronavirus, um, you know, yick, yick, um, <laughs> shut down thing. And, uh, and I'm sure there's a lot, a wide swath of emotions or reactions, but anyway, um, so we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, did we want to hit the? Um, oh, I guess you gave a shout out to Nathan already, and mm-hmm. so I want to just. I, can I jump into this? Yeah, when I texted go right you ahead. about. Okay, since we're we're dealing with this subject, and and at first there was a time when I was kind of like, oh great, you know, it's just like the news cycle is just a constant, and and I don't watch news. I I have like a um, an RSS feed, you know, kind of a yep. thing where I keep up to news from sites that I, I like. So I do like that, but I'm not a, a, you know, a TV guy in the sense of, you know, uh, although I, I, some nights anyway, I'm just not, I don't sit in front of it three hours a day or whatever, like people do and just see this constant right. rolling of the same story and the death toll and things like that. And so it, I think at our last episode, I was thinking, you know, I hate to, I hate to talk about it, but in a sense we had, you know, it, there was more to say, 
Well, I feel like now there's more to say. And, and as I as I realize, it's not just about saying, oh, what do we think about, you know, the news media or, you know, just an emotional response. Don't fear and things like that. You know, those those sort of not superficial, but those immediate things that we think about with the whole coronavirus um, you know, thing that's been going on. But then as we, as it rolls along, it really does begin to deal with some questions about how do we respond to this? And, um, and, and so my, and and that is a deeper question because it does take in, you know, uh, different things anyway. So I had texted you because I felt like last Saturday, my mind finally kind of went, ah, yeah, that's a point. Now it doesn't necessarily solve all the problems, but for me, um, I felt like the, government shutdown and what i mean by that initially the cdc made a recommendation Mm -hmm. you know that you should socially distance and do things well then um i don't remember was there actually an executive like a federal order i don't think there was a federal order but different um uh, governors guidelines came out federally and then on a state level governors were making orders right so the governors were you know instituting these executive orders um, which which happened for us and uh, not as fast as other states. Anyway, and then um, and then it came out just more recently, like on a county level, which I'm not really for sure how it differed from the original order anyway. But on a county level, there was a, essentially a stay-at-home order. Mm-hmm. Well, that just really bothered me. And uh, and in thinking through it, what I finally crystallized in my mind was that it is, if I could put it this way, unjust. And, and, you know, and we, we talked about in another episode how the CDC technically has, you know, police power, the right to police power and blah, blah, blah. But I think where that may, where we have to say, well, how far does that go? And what, you know, where yeah. are they allowed to, you know, stop and things like yeah, that? Well, I don't know that least... I, I don't know that I'd go as far as saying they have the right to police power in in that particular instance like we're talking about but it's enumerated okay. at least in their statutes that they do okay whether, okay whether we agree with it or not okay good and yeah as far as saying a right and so i i think honestly that this government uh speaking on a state level and and a county level for them to say you have to stay at home or you can only go out for essential business i personally think uh it is a terrible overreach uh, i think it's wrong and now, uh, of course, should we, this kind of goes without say, should we use common sense? Sure. Right. But what, well, anyway, what I, what I had thought about was judicially speaking, you accuse somebody when there is evidence that they've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. And in say in a case like this, um, a guy, he has a fever, he has a cough and he says, I'm going to go to church. <laughs> And they could come in and go, now, wait a minute. You knew you had a fever. You knew that you were sick. Um, and you, despite that knowledge, you came to church knowing that you would, um, pro, you know, uh, present a risk to all those involved by your expo- by their exposure to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that guy, I could see, you know, in our question last in the last episode was, well, where's that line? Where do you stop the guy who doesn't have common sense? How do you do that? Well... You can't stop him unless he's an actual risk. That's my take on it, is when you go to court, you can't say, well, we think he potentially could be a risk, so therefore we're going to penalize him. You know what I mean? Now, Mm -hmm. years ago, policemen were at 
my door and I'm kind of, kind of open here, but it's a situation where my, my son broke his arm and my wife took him to the doctor, but because of the type of fracture that it was, it raised this red flag to them and she comes home and I don't know, not a couple hours later, whatever, a few hours later, there's a, a, like a state trooper and, or a, or a, some sort of police officer and the DFS on my doorstep saying, we need to come into your home. Mm-hmm. And, and it bothered me because <clears throat> I said, you know, and, and I kind of expressed that, but anyway, of course they, they came in the home and they said it looked fine, but whatever. Um, but the point was, they said, you know, we're opening a, um, we're opening a, uh, an investigation on you and we'll let you know when it's resolved. You know, it should be resolved by such and such a date. Well, what that was is I was guilty until proven innocent. Right. You know, now somebody, I could even look back at that and say, but at least they had an arm break to say, well, this makes us wonder, you know, this arm break. But in the case of this sickness, somebody comes, they say, you can't go to church. Why? Because you might be sick and not know it. And you might make somebody else sick, but I might not. There's no evidence of that whatsoever. So you can't, you can't penalize thousands of people on the thought that they might be a risk. You know, that's like saying, you know, um, you can't, you can't carry a gun because now you might not be a risk, but what if somebody else gets your gun and hurts somebody, then you could have potentially been a problem. Well, no, you can't do that. You know what I mean? And so to me, that was the problem. That's where I crystallized it in my mind to say, if they actually had evidence against somebody and said, you're sick, you went to a group of people, you tried to infect them, that's punishable. But you can't lock down people for the potential risk. You have to, you, in my mind, you say, well, but people might get sick. Yeah, they might. You might, but you can't overreach their 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 yeah. right to just live a normal life in a free country yeah. and say, well, you're but you're a potential risk. You know, that's that's where I drew the line. Yeah. Was that this is all a potentiality. Well, you can't lock down everybody because of a potentiality. You know, that was that was the thought I I had. I, I there's a lot in there. Um, and 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 while I do agree with you that some of this that's happening is an overreach. Uh, I don't know that the analogies that you're using, I don't know that I agree with, um, you know, for instance, you know, the idea of somebody, (laughs) somebody carrying a gun, right. Um, that's a very different thing. I know I'm carrying a gun when Mm -hmm. I carry one Mm -hmm. and I have at least some will in determining whether or not someone gets to take that from me. Okay. Somebody tries to take it from me. Um, I'm going to hopefully make them regret it. Um, Mm -hmm. However, if someone is carrying a virus that they don't know whether they have it or not, Mm -hmm. uh, and that is, of course, the the pathologic vector of this thing is that nobody knows that they have it until they're symptomatic. And they might have already been carrying it and spreading it to however many hundred of other people by the time that they know they have it. That's fundamentally different than carrying a gun. Um, but nonetheless, it's an unknown. It's it's a, it's an it's unknown a total potentiality, right? It yeah. is a total potentiality, and and also the other analogy that I don't know that I fully agree with is uh, the uh, the idea of innocent until proven guilty analogy fitting this with this coronavirus thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which, so. which I, I do, I do believe that someone should be innocent until proven guilty. But again, we're not talking about a crime. We're talking about someone who is infected. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, well, I guess <clears throat> I guess in that analogy, where I'm going with that is the fact that I'm being essentially locked in my home, or I'm locked into certain duties at the government. Say is a punishment. That's the way I see that. Um. So that's where the sense of uh, I'm I'm being punished because I'm quote unquote guilty of being potentially sick. Well, I mean, everyone is guilty of being potentially sick. But yeah, and that's the problem. You, but there's no evidence there. They can't charge that. You can't. Well, uh, evidence I mean, of what? Evidence that you, you will make somebody sick and you're part of the problem. Uh, but that, that is the issue that we're talking about. That's what makes this such a, a fine line that we're kind of walking on both sides of is nobody knows if they have it or not until they've already done damage. If, right. For instance, if we take that and use your analogy of me carrying a gun, okay, uh, imagine imagine arresting me for carrying a gun, but it's three days too late and I've already committed four mass murders. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd say, boy, you should have got on that a lot quicker. But my, my point is that, <clears throat> that you're not being punished uh, by an executive order that says you should stay in your house because you might be carrying this disease. They don't have to produce evidence that you have the disease because the danger in it is that there is no evidence that you have it until you've already done the damage. Does that make sense? Well, no, it doesn't um, make sense. I mean, I mean, I guess I hear what you're saying on what you restate it, but I don't agree with that they don't need evidence because there's just the potentiality there. And, the, and you are, I'd have to go back to saying you are being punished because you can't go to work, okay? Uh, or... You know, so so basically things start crumbling around you and they're like, well, you know, sorry, that's just the price of, you know, keeping people healthy. And I'm going to say, well, look, you know, people might might get sick, but until somebody until you can accuse me of. And again, and, and, and this isn't like and I guess you're right that we're not really even talking about a guilt or a crime at all, which no. makes it even worse to me. I mean, what what gives a governor the right to say you're not allowed to come out of your house because there's a sickness? You know what I mean? And again, that's the whole discussion of saying, well, that's what we're talking about. But I'm going back to the right of them to be able to say, to even say this, what, what, you know, so we say what's written in their code, but to me, it's anti first amendment and that's the basic. Yeah. Anti first amendment. Um, I would say some have used it that way for sure. But again, I think, I think what, what we're dealing with here is a conversation where we're kind of on a knife edge, Right. And on one side of it, you have liberty. And the other side of it, you have safety. On the one side of it, you have personal and individual freedom and religious freedom. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of it, you have um, you have government rule. And it's, it's hard to really know at which point um, you are being overreached, I think, in some ways. Because at least my understanding of the government from... Uh, from scripture is that they do, they are the powers that be mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. do have the authority to tell us what to do in certain instances. Uh, they can't tell us to disobey the Lord. They can't tell us to sin. They can't make mm-hmm. us do those things. They can't make us recant what we believe. Right. So if in the same way and back in, back in our second amendment episode, we talked about as much as we love the second amendment and as much as we're glad that it's there, if the government ever took away the Second Amendment, <clears throat> um, should the Christian revolt? Should the Christian fight? Should the Christian disobey that order? And do you remember what we concluded in that? 
Do you remember? I don't, honestly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we concluded in that that, uh, well, I mean, as great as the Second Amendment is, while self-defense is a natural law right given to us by God to protect ourselves, the means by which we protect ourselves is not necessarily enumerated in natural law. <laughs> it's not enumerated in, in scripture mm -hmm. that it has to be a gun. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, and, and what we concluded from that is while the Second Amendment is good, if the government took it away as Christians, we would have to respect that because they are the powers that be. Um, we could still defend ourselves. It just might not be able to be with a gun. And, and remember, we, 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 we said, man, people are going to lambast us for that. People are going to hate us for that. But the truth is, uh, the Second Amendment is a blessing of having been produced in a free society like the United States of America. Um, but to go it back... Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, to go back to what we're saying about um, executive orders to stay at home, um, have they asked us to sin... No, they haven't. Does that infringe on our freedom of assembly? Yes, it does. Does it infringe even on our uh, some of our religious liberties, which I, I guess is kind of saying the same thing as our, our freedom of assembly? Uh, yes, it does. But they've not told us to sin. They've not told us that we can't evangelize in some way. They've not told us that we can't communicate with each other. They've not told us we have to turn in our Bibles or be executed. They've not told us in any way that we have to disobey the Lord. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not trying to defend the government here. Okay. I don't like any of this either, but as a Christian, I have to say their job as Romans 13, the powers that be ordained of God, it's their job to protect us as a society. Sometimes they do that. Well, sometimes they stink at it. In fact, a lot of times they stink at it. Okay. Government is not good at a lot of things. Um, but if, if they're dealing with a society of people who say, eh, you know what? Just forget all the consequences. I might be carrying the disease for a week and not even know it. I don't care if I give it to my church family. I don't care if I give it to the people at the grocery store. I'm just going to live my life as I want and use my liberty. The government, in this sense, I think, does have the authority to say, no, I'm sorry, you have to stay home for public safety. <clears throat> does that make sense? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I disagree, though. I mean, I don't think that they do have the authority, but... Um, um, Anyway, yeah, just coming. Well, I would, I would, I would want to know why, authority, though. Just because authority comes from God doesn't mean that every use of the authority is godly. They can be distorting or perverting their authority. And in this case, I'm saying that it, the authorities are even overstepping constitutional bounds to do what they say they're supposed to do. And, and we have to look back at our governing documents and go, you're not even allowed to do that. I mean, even if we take it out of a Christian perspective, just from a political perspective, you're not allowed to do that. And if, some, if nobody says that, if, if everybody says, well, I guess, you know, since they, they, just, they told me to stay home, so I'm going to stay home. If nobody speaks out and says, wait a minute, this isn't even right then they're never going to be checked. Right. Well, I mean, you're kind of almost making, uh, in a sense, a, only a two-part dilemma out of this where there's a third option here. Um, okay. There is a third option that says uh, the government might be making an executive order that I have to stay at home right now, and I should obey that order right now. But I'm also watching the research on this, and the moment that their order no longer makes sense, why do we need it? And I think, I think at a certain point, 
Christians, pastors, churches need to be asking, okay, listen, here's, here's the numbers. Here's what the research is saying. These are from valuable, reputable, trusted sources. The threat is beginning to dissipate and the government has not lifted these executive orders yet. It's time now to come out. It's time now to say we're done with this. So I'm not saying it needs to be either or that you need to just obey all the time like that. I'm saying it right now, obeying makes sense. Well, to me, it doesn't entirely. Um, see, and that kind of goes back to the idea where a medical professional at best is a medical professional. They understand, uh, you know, a virus, they understand medicine, but to, to put a medical professional in charge of the economy and legalities, you know, instead of, you know, you've got a constitutional lawyer, he's good at law and knowing what your rights are. You've got an economist who knows how the economy runs. Well, to have a, a doctor step in and start making all of the decisions that cross all of those lines. No, I can get their advice. You know, the president can get their advice and then say, now, let me hear the, con- the economist. Let me hear the constitutional lawyer. Well, this is how much we can do with that advice. Um, but I mean, I'm in a I'm in a count. I'm in a county that's had one case, one case that, you know, so far and in a state that probably um, has hasn't really been hit relatively hard considering the other states. What is it, Minnesota or North Dakota? They've lost a, a, a fraction, a small fraction of people, and they're on a state lockdown. Hmm. And to me, that doesn't make sense because and, and see, it's you're a right. one size fit all. You're, you're right. There are some places where it doesn't make sense. Um, now I I can tell you this much. There was probably, I don't know, three weeks ago or a month ago here in Connecticut, we were in the same boat you're in now. Uh, and Uh we were saying, boy, it doesn't make sense to be having all these restrictions. And now I think we had last night, I think we had 1200 new cases overnight. Yeah. Overnight. Uh, That's like in 12 hours. Um, so it does change rapidly when people don't follow good guidelines. Now, I, I, to go back to what you said, are the medical professionals telling the government what to do? No, they're actually not. Uh, they're actually offering guidelines. And in fact, the president himself, he can't tell the states what to do. Okay. They're simply following guidelines. They're getting advice. And each individual state government is responsible for what orders they give. And some states have followed the guidelines and some have not. And that's the mm-hmm. beauty of living in the United States of America, uh, is that we're, we're not like, you know, some massive blob of big government. We still have mm-hmm. federalism. Every state can decide on its own what it wants to do. And, and perhaps your governor there in Missouri looks around and says, listen, we don't have a whole lot of counties here that have reported cases of this. You know what? Let's break this down into a county by county basis. This county should probably have some restrictions. This one should not. Uh, And that's within states' rights to do. So no medical professional is declaring what the states have to do. Okay. But the state governors you don't feel you don't feel like you don't feel like the medical professionals though are wielding quite a bit of uh of persuasive power in this instance. Not considering not considering all the states that so far have not adopted strict lockdown orders. And they're under extreme pressure from what I understand. Where does that pressure come from? I mean, partly from the media, but it's... Pressure is you know, one thing, Bell. Uh, that, right, that's not I'm the saying, same thing. <laughs> you you know what I mean? the same thing as what? 
what it's not, not the same making... thing as what you're saying that they're that the medical professionals are somehow making the state governors do something no there are a lot of states where they haven't uh, done the same thing in fact i think it was florida after one case the florida governor uh, declared church assembly essential yeah right right and in maine i think uh maine there was it the governor uh or a mayor Anyway, there have been a couple, few, yeah, along the way that said, I'm not doing that, or a sheriff right. that says, I'm not, I'm not enacting that. Right. So even down to a local level, even if the governor said, this is a lockdown, and the sheriff, local sheriff said, I'm not doing that, you know? Yes. Right. And see, but, that's, that's kind of the beauty of the republic that we live in. But it's still, I guess, it serves to say that even at that local level, there's a sheriff going, wait a minute, this isn't legal. And so that's what I'm saying, uh, part, partly is the saying, well, the president, you know, the governor says, do it, so we ought to do it. Well, then, then the mayor says, I'm not doing that, mm-hmm. you know? So there's somebody who steps in the middle and goes, I'm not doing that. Well, if the sheriff says, okay, we're going to clamp down, then can it come down to the individual citizen level who says, I'm not doing that? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, just like the mayor or the governor can choose to resist and say, no, I'm not enacting that. To me, in a sense, then if they don't do it, then it comes down to an individual citizen standpoint. Now, right. am I calling for guys to go out and infect people and do stupid stuff? No, of course not. But, but wouldn't, I'm just wouldn't saying, that be the result, though, of what you're proposing? If someone, no. if someone can carry this virus unknowingly for a number of days and spread it to other people unknowingly before anyone has any evidence that they've even got it, uh, to not at least say, and I'm not talking about making rules, I'm saying, you know, at least follow some guidelines right well i know tom but i mean think about it some guys you've been in a public bathroom yeah and you see a grown man you know step away from the urinal and walk out the door gross do you think the dr burks you know and dr fauci are going to make that man learn how to wash his hands (laughs) you know what i'm saying right they say we're going to send the police to your door unless you wash your hands every time you step out of the bathroom forget it that's not going to happen yeah so i mean i think you can legislate all day long for certain things and you know, and, and, and it, to what degree are we going to say, you've got to obey the guidelines, you know, or their guidelines. Yeah. Now, you're going to stay home. And then you know, what the governor of New Jersey says, you know, and, and, and practice social distancing from your family. Come on, get real. I mean, yeah, that's ridiculous. And I'm not saying and I'm not saying that we shouldn't use common sense. But my point is, do you have to do you have to make common sense a matter of criminal activity? I mean, a no. matter of legal activity. No, but that's why I'm going back to the knife edge we're walking on, because uh, it, what would have been ideal is for them to say, listen, here are some safe guidelines. We see this virus coming our way. Let's everyone do this, this and this. And, and this will work out better. And then for everyone to just say, you know what, that makes good sense. Let me do this, this and this. And then problem solved. (laughs) Right. Um, But not everyone does that. But it's where the guideline becomes a law. Right. That's what's happened here is that you're not following the guidelines. So we will make you follow them. Right. And if you try not to follow them. Why we'll find you or put you in jail. Right. But uh, the issue then is, does the government have the right, even if their rules stink, do they have the right to enforce them? You know what I mean? Uh, provided that they're not asking right. us to sin. For instance, the persecutions that we read about <laughs> in the New Testament uh, of early Christians. Um, was the government just simply wielding its power? Yes, it was. 
did did the government stink? Was it awful? Yes, it resulted in the persecution of Christians, right? Um, right but right. I don't. In what New Testament book do we read about Christians trying to overthrow the government by by disobeying? when they haven't been told to sin against God. Uh, the only cases I know of of civil disobedience in Scripture is when Peter and the apostles told the leaders there mm-hmm. in Jerusalem, we will obey God rather than men. And that was mm-hmm. because they were mm-hmm. told to stop preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and I, I think that's, uh, you know, that's a, a, another discussion because I want to move on to another question. I mean, but we can we can kind of table that to say the whole, because I know there's a debate on that as far yeah. as like, should Christians fight or not? Um, you know, and in the civil war or what was it? No. Um, uh, oh, I'm not talking about pacifism. Not, not so. Okay. I yeah. mean, you know, where some pastors are like, come on, man, men, let's go out and fight. You know, some guys were like, they're in it, they're leading it, you mm-hmm. know? And other ones are like, look, no, you know, we shouldn't. Well, that's what it sounds like that you're talking about pacifism in terms of, unless they, unless they say, I can't preach, I'll do whatever they say. Is that what we're talking about? Or I mean, it, it, is there a middle ground? The middle ground we're talking about here is that the guidelines that they have set regarding this virus make good sense. And if they if they make an executive order that makes good sense, why not obey it? Do you know what I mean? Okay, but I'm, I'm going back a step to say they don't have the right to make the order. They can give you guidelines, but it's the order. It's the order is where the guidelines became law. Okay, but uh, on what, I mean, are we basing it on, on any kind of scriptural precedent that the government has no right to make that order? I'm not saying well, I, I like I, it. I don't know that there is a scriptural precedent that says they have a right to make the order. Just because, just because it says the powers that be are ordained of God, literally, you know, powers that are, you know, the authority emanates from God. Mm-hmm. But again, can authority be misused? Yes. And so if it's misused, then do I say, well, you know, but they've got the authority. They've got the power. Um, but where do you draw the line, though? If I, I, I mean, to... then at any point, I don't like the smell of something the government decides. Should I just disobey everything? Well, not necessarily. But I, I mean, I'd have to think through that on a Christian level. But I'm just even I mean, even on a, on a legal level. That we are Americans and we are governed, you know, we have the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, so I don't have to roll over to everything they say because I can appeal to our own documents. Mm-hmm. You know, that the, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, that governs all of us. Um, and so not even saying like a biblical argument that that whatever, I'm just even from a from a legal argument, um, can they just make any guideline into any law and then on a county level say, well... It's healthier for us to do this, and right. so you have to do it. Um, right, but, but I guess but you, I guess my point is we should tie it to scripture. Yeah, we should, and is I think yeah, yeah, I do think we should, and I think scripture is more on the side of us obeying the the, the law, um, even even when we don't like it. Um, not again, I'm not making a blanket generalization of every single law. Okay. I do think things should be opposed, but the way that they're opposed in a government like this is, is at the ballot box is in writing your Congress people. Uh, that's how it's opposed here. Um, if we don't like what they decide, vote them out, vote somebody else in next time. Um, but, uh, I think that, um, oh, and I lost my train of thought. Um, what were we saying? Um, 
Well, I was, was going to insert a thought. Go, but you go were ahead saying, and insert, um, and maybe mine will circle back around. We need, we're, we need to connect it back to Scripture, and you felt like the Scripture was more on the side of authority, and, and how to resist authority in our country is by is is the ballot box yes yes and 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 i guess what i mean by that is that this this is not necessarily a case for civil disobedience here because they they create orders for us to stay at home and uh i mean you're saying you know this is against the bill of rights and against the constitution my point in bringing up what the cdc uh says their own guidelines uh, it is constitutional that i think if you went to court over this um, I believe you would lose um, because uh, as much as I don't like it, it is written there. <laughs> it is in there. If you look at the show notes of the last episode, or maybe it's two episodes ago now, I provided the the link to the statutes there uh, on the CDC's website that links you right to the exact articles that are in the act that was written. So, And it is an act of the, in the Constitution or an amendment. I don't know if it's amendment or act. I, again, I'm not a lawyer, so, so mm-hmm. I don't know where it is. But I, I do believe they have the legal right to do what they're doing, as awful as it is, um, whether they have the moral right to do it. I don't. I don't think they do entirely. Okay. So how, how? So it seems like you're arguing me on the moral basis, though. So if you if they don't entirely have the right morally, because that would be where we have the right biblically to refuse, right? Because you're saying obey them unless they ask us, you know, not to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. So that would be the moral stance where then we could refuse. What other moral grounds are there to refuse them, do you feel like, or to resist? I'm not sure I understand your question. Um, when, I, I guess when I say that they don't, I don't think they have the moral right to do it, to, to make executive yeah. orders like this to keep you at home. It's simply because it's not a kind thing to do to people. It's, it's, not. Uh-huh. it's not. It's not a, a righteous thing to do. It's not a great way to treat people. You know what I mean? Um, it's kind of an affront to people's sens- sensitivities and sensibilities uh, to mandate that they stay at home like they're little children. Uh, so morally, it seems objectionable to me. Um, mm-hmm. And as as putrefying as as it is to think about it, l- legally, I think they would win if you took them to court over something like this because of the way that that these things are written. Um, <clears throat> and and though it is morally objectionable, the question then for every Christian is do I need to obey this? And really, have they, have they told us, is this a persecution? No, (laughs) no, it isn't. And, and the executive orders are, are for sensible reasons, not that their reasons justify everything, but I mean, there are good reasons for even bad things at times, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, well, I, yeah, what you're saying is that what they're trying to say is trying to work out some good. I just think in working out that good, they're creating other, other evils. So I guess I would look back, though, and say that I don't, yeah, I don't know that I'm saying it so much from a Christian standpoint as much as from an American standpoint um, mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah. Well, I yeah, just, and, and I think we're in agreement on that from an American standpoint. It is I mean, objectionable. Going back to what you're saying, are we being persecuted? No, I don't think I'm, I'm being persecuted on a Christian level. I feel that I am being, um, that I am being, uh, what's the word? Uh, I be, feel like I'm being improperly uh, mandated on a, an American judicial constitutional level. That's what I feel like. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it, and it, I don't yeah. know. I'd have to do some more thinking on, you know, the right of conscience. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the freedom of conscience. At one point, does my conscience say, I need to do this or I have to do this, you know? Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, interesting. Well, I, that's uh, why I think we're we're kind of we're circling the drain here. Um, because, uh, I don't know that there is an exact answer for what we're talking about, but because it's going to depend gonna... on each person's circumstances. I think, you know what I'm saying? We talked about you being Partly. in a low risk area. I live right. in a high risk area, right? right? Um, you live in a very conservatively governed place. I live in a very liberally governed place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to make the environment here very different in how we can respond to things. Um, let me ask you this. Do you feel like someone can obey but vocalize dissent? Yeah. Do you feel I like mean, vocalizing on the face dissent of it, is somehow unchristian? No, on the face of it, it makes okay. sense that okay. that we would be able to obey but uh, disagree. Okay. Good. Um, let me... Um, Thank you for that. But let me, do we have time to go to the patron question that we had on the uh, checks? Uh, yeah, I think we do. Okay. Yeah, I think we do. Why don't we transition that? Because it's, it's very obviously apropos yeah. <laughs> to, to the timing of what we're doing here. Um, we received a patron question here that's related to the coronavirus situation. And it says, since the president approved the COVID-19 stimulus package this week, of course, that was when he wrote it, I guess, every taxpayer whose annual income, blah, 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 is supposed to be getting... Uh, so So if you're under 75000 apparently, uh, or 150000 for couples, uh, each individual gets a $1,200, um, of course, 2400 for couples. And then, as I've even heard, there's more for, for children. Yeah. Um, dependent children. Um, and he said, as hard as it is to accept a government handout, it's also kind of hard to refuse free money and potentially several thousand dollars if you have a family. Um, just curious, will you guys be depositing your government handout checks when they come? What's your take out? Uh, take out. <laughs> What's your take on this? Um, will I be depositing my checks? Um, yeah. At face value, yes. Um, no pun intended. Yeah, face value. Face value. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, I know some have accused this of being basically socialism, and I I think it would be more like socialism if this became an ongoing thing. Like let's let's send everybody twelve hundred dollars every month and let's just support them in perpetuity. Um, right. That to me would be more communistic or most more socialistic than this would be, um, and and in a way I do see it as uh, Americans' tax dollars essentially just getting returned to them. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People need to realize that the government doesn't just have money. The government isn't a person that says, you know, what? I they want to give you your some money. of my money. <laughs> That's right. Their money is your money. So essentially, what they're doing is giving you your grandkids' money. I mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because you're going to be eventually sort of paying for it, I think, um, what they've taxed you or what they're going to be taxing you, and they're just adding on to a national debt. So, right. yeah. Any other thoughts you had on that, though? No, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel feel the same. I mean, for me, when I, I can say, though, that when, when they were discussing it, when they were debating it, 
in my mind, I'm saying, don't send me a check. Yeah. Don't send yeah. me a check. I don't, I don't want you to do that. That is not the solution I want. I don't want the money. But when they write you the check, um, you know, short of just saying, no, I'm not going to cash it. You know, what, what am I going to do with it? Uh, well, yes, I'm going to, as, as of right now, I plan to use it. Yeah. Now there have been, what do you think about this idea? The idea that I'll oh, pass it on. If you don't need it, pass it on. What's I your mean, take on, what's your thought on that? I mean, if you want to, sure. Right. I mean, I guess if somebody wants to and they feel like, um, you know, there's, there's a certain person or an entity or something that they would like to help with that money and they want to just sign that because they weren't expecting that money anyway, and maybe they don't need it. They could pass it on. That'd be yeah. fine. Um, you know, every, every person is going to have to make their own decision. Yeah. And I could see some people being like, well, you know, you could use that money. And this is a straw man, I know. But you could use that money to, you know, feed the poor or to, mm -hmm. you know, to, to provide meals for somebody. Well, my thought on that is, you know, if you want to feed the poor, that's fine. But um, they, they should be getting a $1,200 check, too. If they need groceries, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so that person may not immediately, immediately need help. And then the question is, is that the best stewardship of my money to provide a meal for somebody right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So I provided a meal now, now what, what about tomorrow? You know, what about tonight? Right. Um, so and I, that goes to the whole kind of helping the poor thing. I'm not saying you shouldn't help the poor, but you just have to ask when I talk about passing it on, is it just kind of an emotional thing that, Oh yes, I just threw it away. You know, I gave it away. Or did we, did we invest it in something? Maybe we gave yeah. it away, but we invested in something that was a good stewardship of it. Yeah. So. What I actually find more concerning about the relief bill than the, the individual checks is all of the government backed loans that will be going out to small businesses uh, as mm -hmm. a result of it. Um, and you say that you find that disturbing I find or that, you find that good? I find that more disturbing than the individual okay, checks okay. just because uh, basically how many businesses will be in the pocket of of government uh, at that point. Because mm -hmm. um, you feel like it's never no strings attached? <laughs> no, no, not that's not necessarily it. It's just where, where I mean, do you even have a, a private sector anymore? Do you even have a market anymore yeah. if if everything is kind of if, if everything falls back on the government right right and, right. and, and you know where where do you get the competition <laughs> uh, of business when everybody is kind of you know <laughs> feeding off the same thing uh and can get their money from the same place uh, i don't know it just i don't know seems like it was it would be bad for the economy in the long run um well, there is even talk about churches uh getting part of this did you hear about the uh the payroll protection program uh, that churches are are getting loans for. I I think just barely. What I, there was a name to it, and I don't remember. Um, it seemed like what the bill was or something. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's part of this relief bill. The care was it the, the care act or is that the whole thing? Is it the whole re relief bill is called the care act? Yeah, or something, something like that. Know. But it's particularly okay. the PPP, the payroll protection program for churches, ministries, uh, and the not for profit sector. Um. And and basically, it's to protect the uh, the incomes of church leaders and other nonprofit uh, employees and things like that. And uh, I don't know that I like the sound of of that if you read the details of it. But yeah, well, I mean, I, I, if you say a non for profit or whatever, they have their own decisions to make. I feel on a church level, and it's easy maybe for me to say because I'm not in the situation of of many, you know. Um, but so we're so we're not struggling that way. Yeah. But 
you know, I guess I'd have to say, you know, who is supposed to provide, yeah. who, who is supposed to support the church? Yeah. Is it supposed to be the government, you know, or is it supposed to be its people? Yeah. And, um, can you, uh, so. can you think of one biblical instance though, uh, prior to the church? So old Testament instance where God's yeah. people actually were given a handout from the government and they, and they yeah. took it. <laughs> Well, um, I don't know if it's exactly what you're thinking. It's not so much the government. It's just from society at large. When the, when the people of Israel were exiting Egypt and they asked, can I have your earrings? You know, whatever. And the people were just giving them, get out of here. Take my stuff, take my jewelry, you know, whatever. I think. I was thinking of when Pharaoh gave them the land of Goshen. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Government handout. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. That's funny. Um, <laughs> anyway. But, uh, but I think that. And I don't want it to be like a jab here, but I mean, going back to the whole economic situation and we go, it brings us into this, do we accept the money? Great. Now government's doing one more thing they shouldn't do and giving us money. And it's kind of like a lose, lose situation. The government's, the government's even given, you know, either increasing our national debt or, or people are going on it or losing jobs by the millions and things like that, that I still have to go back to. I don't, I don't agree with this the, with the statement just as a blanket statement that their orders make sense. Um, I have to say, look, this is a sickness. Okay, it's a virus, but life has got to go on. And um, and so, at, at what point? Uh, I mean, how much does this have to cost? And, and why this virus? Yeah, people died, but I mean, you know, and, and I'm and I'm not saying that I want people to die. Yeah. Well, but, what don't you think makes sense? Die. I mean, the the part about keeping your distance from people or not touching your face or washing your hands or staying at home as much as possible or what what doesn't make sense is that you have to you have to go to the extreme of shutting down parts of the economy you know certain you know, restaurants can't be open well what if that's a guy's livelihood if he wants to have it open let him have it open maybe only two people show up but at least he makes a few bucks you know yeah. or saying you know you you can't do this or you can't or you can't be open or this store can't sell that product well there you know, manipulating the, the whole structure that way, instead of just saying, look, be careful, wash your hands, don't sneeze on people. You know, uh, if you don't, if you don't have to go out to eat, you know, at least consider you're going out to eat. But I mean, if somebody wants to go out to eat and goes, I'm really not scared of getting a uh, coronavirus, I want to go out to eat with my family, let them go out to eat with their family and don't, yeah. you know, don't accuse them of jeopardizing society because life has to go on at some right. point. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, kind of. I mean, do just, you think though that it's fair to say that some some types of businesses should close and and some would probably be okay staying open? I don't know that I could think of. Well, yeah. I mean, there's certain ones that should close in my mind. Besides, despite COVID nineteen, that would be you know bars and uh, and <laughs> no, adult no, bookstores I mean, and <laughs> when, when there's like a really virulent virulent pathogen around, should I mean, don't you think it's fair that maybe some businesses were, would maybe be higher risk and and should probably close for a little while? Me, no. Um, I mean, you can uh, to me. Meaning, should they close? Like, should we give them? Should we kind of say, hey, why don't you consider this? Yeah. Uh, I guess you can. Yeah. But to tell them they have to close? No. Uh, I don't think, I think right. you inform, <laughs> that's, that's you what inform I'm saying. people. You're saying, should they close? I'm saying, close? you know, if, 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 if they're thinking through it and they go, hey, listen, our business is kind of a high risk business. Uh, you know, I think if we stayed open, you know, we might, we might contribute to spreading this thing. 
uh, will voluntarily close for a few weeks and and reopen. I don't even say. I don't even think I say. I would say they should close. I would say they could close. I mean, you know, if a, if a gym wants to say, man, we're like gonna like. Uh, go crazy on sanitizing stuff. We're going to hire two people to just be constantly wiping down the equipment and stay open. Hey, go for it. Yeah. You know, if if you want to give restaurants the the option of somehow coming up with innovative ways to uh, make people feel like they won't be exposed to it, hey, whatever. I mean, it's there. You know, you can inform the people and then let them use, let them make the decision. Uh, but to to shut places down and say you can't go here or you can't be open, even if they wanted to come there. Nah, I think it's wrong. But I mean, what would you say if a business owner said, uh, you know, we're a pretty high traffic place. People are pretty close together when they're here. Uh, I think it'd be best if we close for a, a little while. I mean, no problem with that whatsoever okay. because it's his decision. Right. Yeah. I have no problem with okay. that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that would be wise considering in, in some places? Well, it just depends on the situation. Depends on where they're and, at. And, 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 yeah. and it depends on his financial status. Mm-hmm. If he's a small business and uh, and he's you know dumped his life savings into starting this restaurant and he's not on his feet yet, that may not be a real wise decision, okay. because yeah. it's never gonna gonna get on its feet again. Yeah, I mean, but if yeah. it's a church, say, what if they decided to do that? If a church decided yeah, if... to to not meet, I, I think I think that's a local church's decision. And again, I'm fine with that because if as a church they decide, you know. Um, you know, let's let's be careful for a couple of weeks. Um, they're not. I don't feel like they're forsaking the assembling of themselves right. together. But but on the other hand, if the leadership is like you know, anyway, um, it, that's that's each person's right. decision. So one more thing, if there if yeah, there are yeah, two yeah. churches then like that in the same area, so they're dealing with the same population, they they both have a similar number uh, of attendees mm-hmm. that come or members, uh, and one decides to close, and one decides to stay open. Uh-huh. Do you think one has made a better decision than the other? Uh, well, again, that's a, a pretty broad statement. I, you'd have to kind of know all the God would know, you know, whether one was a better. But I don't think just on its face, one made it better than the other, because that's up to the conscience of the people. No, I mean, the, I mean, I'm just the, talking about from from a safety standpoint. Do you think there is a safer decision and a more risky decision? Well, I think what what seems apparent is to say, well, obviously the ones that didn't meet made the safer decision. Okay, but that's taking that's the, taking one thing into account. That's taking only the sickness and not people's, you know, not people's, you know, spiritual maturity or the, you know, because if we say, well, one week, well, what about two weeks? Well, what about a month? Right. Well, what about two but months? I'm, Did I'm, they make the safer decision? Well, yeah, technically they made the safer decision of the virus. Yeah, but that's I mean, what I'm talking that, about. I'm not talking about necessarily a spiritual aspect. I'm talking just from the standpoint of, you know, there's a virus out there. Do you think one has made a safer decision? It's kind of a, it's kind of a moot point though. It'd be kind of like to say, you know, if I bought groceries and, um, and lived in my car for the next two weeks, would I be safer than like, you know, than not? Well, I guess technically, like if I just go home and I don't leave my house at all, will I be safer? Well, Sure. I guess, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just talking about, you know, do you wear a seatbelt when you drive? I mean, w- you right. know, have you made a safer decision than someone who doesn't? I mean, yeah, if you look at statistics, <laughs> people who wear right. seatbelts, who get in accidents, are markedly more safer than those who don't. And, and, and again, I'm just talking about objective realities here. 
you know. But it's only taking into consideration one thing. Right, and that, but that's all we're talking about right in this particular part of the conversation is that one thing. Is it a safer decision? Is the way you stop a virus by, by being close together or by spreading further apart? Well, the way you stop a virus is by spreading further, further apart. That's an objective reality. I mean, you, <laughs> well, yeah, but even at that, assume certain things. I mean, obviously, there's like a bell curve to that. Like, okay, so the further apart that I get, so if I if I go, maybe maybe I should, you know, find a shack in the middle of like a, a preserve and go there, and I'd be even safer. No, because if you're ten foot away from somebody, or you're a thousand feet away from somebody, you're safer, right? I mean, so just to say, you know, to get away from people, that's safer. Well, well, sure, I could move 100 feet away from you and get eaten by a tiger uh, while I was p- trying to protect myself from a virus. But I'm not talking about tigers. I'm talking about a virus. No, I know. I know. No. But I'm just saying, even can can we be in the same building? Is, is our being in the same building unsafe? Or is our being within 12 inches of somebody, a coughing person, unsafe? What's the unsafe part of that? You know what I mean? Just to say, well, we need to uh, be separate. And that'll be, that means we're safe. Well, no, nothing, Um, nothing guarantees 100% safety. I'm not arguing that. But I'm I'm saying from an objective, real standpoint, you are safer from, uh, from burning yourself, the further you are away from a fire, Uh, you're safer (laughs) from a virus, the further you are away from the virus. And and if the problem is spreading it to each other, there is an objective reality here, that's that a little bit of distance helps slow this thing down. Are, right. are you willing? And, yeah. Are you willing to say that that's an objective reality? Sure. Okay. <laughs> sure. And I, you know, and I don't, you know, and I again, I'm not saying that people shouldn't be careful. I just think that an overreach to mandate how exactly you be careful, um, no matter what the cost, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't fully disagree with that. You know, based on the conversation that we've had, but. Um, I, I, what I'm saying is there there is an objective reality that if someone mm-hmm. wants to stop this thing, it is a safer decision to distance a little bit. That is an objectively right. safer decision, and whereas meeting together is an objectively more risky decision. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> yeah. However, um, it it it's yeah more risky. Not to say it's it's uh, more dangerous. It's just the risk is present. Meaning if we decide that, no, uh, you know, the, we want to, we want to meet those of you who, you know, you're elderly or you feel sick, uh, or, or you're, you're, you know, stop, stay home. Yeah. You know, sure. but if, if those of us who want to meet, want to meet and we feel okay with that, um, and if we got sick, maybe we'd suffer symptoms for a couple of weeks and we might even not even go to the hospital and we're willing to handle that. But I mean, but we might not get sick if yeah. we're the, the healthy component of the church. Yeah. So there might, there's greater risk, but there's not necessarily greater danger. Um, I don't know that I don't know that I would agree with that entirely. Um, no, no, so, no, no. Okay. But so you're I mean, saying you're, that if we meet at if we meet at all, you're saying there is a danger. I'm saying that in an area where this the population is the same. To go back to the illustration, two mm-hmm. churches, population's the same, risk factors are the same. They're about the same size. One church decides to continue meeting. The other consi- decides to postpone for a few weeks one has Mm -hmm. made an objectively safer decision than the other the other church who continues meeting uh and and, and i don't want to get into the necessarily the whole the spiritual facet of it just yet we can talk about that in a Mm -hmm. minute Mm -hmm. if you want Mm -hmm. but from a purely 
cold facts standpoint, you are at higher risk if you continue to meet in that same area. Risk. Yes, risk. And 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 the danger in risk is that it could result in the virus being contracted by one or many, mm-hmm. and there is the potential of death. Um, there sure. is the potential of death. Whereas the other church... There's even the potential of getting sick. Yeah. That's still a potentiality. That's sure. That's the risk. Right. But is that is that same potential present for those who don't meet? Not really. They've mitigated it significantly by not right. meeting. But, so yeah. I would and say I mean, I can, from the standpoint draw... of someone trying to, to be wise and mitigate the potential of death, if, if that's what we're looking to avoid then distancing is a wiser decision than meeting. So, because you're going to equate wisdom with lowering risk, lower risk. In the face of being aware of the factors? Um, in some cases, yeah. I don't know that... I mean, are you willing to make that, like, that broad... That's a pretty I'm broad not saying in all cases. Say that if I'm not saying in all cases. You're saying that if you don't distance yourself, you're not wise. Not in all cases, no. Because remember, okay. our okay. illustration is populated area, high risk factors, two churches, same size, same risk factors. One church doesn't meet, the other one does. I think one has made a wider, wiser decision. That's my point. Okay. Uh, there are other factors, for instance, very rural areas. I don't think they have the same risk. Right, I don't either. Um, maybe they have a different, um, a different demographic. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. you know, may, many of those people maybe work outside for a living, okay. Whereas you have another church, maybe right. they're all healthcare workers, okay. Uh, for instance, right. our church, <laughs> sure. half of our church sure. are healthcare workers, and we live in a densely populated area. Uh, I think we've made a better decision by postponing for a few weeks than if we would have stayed open. I think that's a wiser choice, considering our risk factors. Um, You're saying all things being equal. All thing. Well, that's I mean, the illustration. I see what yeah. you're saying now. I see. That's the illustration. You're, yeah. Because I'm just talking, we're talking like number of people. That's not all things being equal. But like in your scenario, you've got healthcare workers that are literally in the place, tr- potentially treating sick people yeah. and then meandering around in society. Right. Well, that's different than just a church, even of the same number meeting in the same size room. You know what I mean? That's totally different because that you're adding a whole nother element to that. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. We talked about that. Um, our listeners don't know that, but we talked about it and I support you and did support you, you know, um, in that consideration that, uh, you know, that you've got, you don't just, yeah, you have another factor involved is that some of you are involved in a, in a medical professional environment yeah. where your risk of exposure is so much higher than the average person. Yeah. And then carrying it to a group <laughs> where you have multiple. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. But, I, but again, the, the yeah. illustration is back to all things is being equal. That was my point. All things, all things being equal. Um, but it's, I was, I wasn't considering the fact that the people themselves were high risk. I was just saying, is the meeting high risk? Not are the people themselves high risk? Yeah. Meaning are the people bringing in a risk factor of their own <laughs> by virtue of who they are? But I guess that's, see, this is good where it's good to talk it out because I'm coming at it from what I know and what I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of a Midwestern church, yeah, you know, coming into a building like ours and saying, there's really not much of a risk. 
And you're thinking of a Northeastern church such as yours with those mitigating factors. Yeah. And so we're coming at it from two angles. So I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a good number of people out there where, where your church is who work outside a lot. And right. just, or maybe they socially distance by occupation, right? Or maybe they're in some sort of factory setting where they're still spread out inside a giant warehouse from other people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, social distancing mm-hmm. is built into the, you know, it's baked into the cake there. Um, right. Whereas right. here, it's it's not really that way. So right, right. Interesting. Well, thanks for the discussion. It was sure. <laughs> good. I we went long that. on this one. <laughs> We did. I, maybe that is that the did they all get the after show? No, I guess we can still have an after show. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, we we do have one patron question that um, we could bring into the after show that may be a little more oh good involved, good. and it's a yeah. different subject, thankfully, because right. man, I'm getting yep. tired of talking about coronavirus stuff. Um, yeah, I am too. I was kind of tired of it just partly because of the news cycle, but then it got so irritating to me thinking about to what I felt was the encroachment or the overreach of the government that then it almost, it became irritating in a different way mm-hmm. because it's just, it was a burden, yeah. you know, and, uh, and what do I do about this? But, yeah. um, anyway, yeah. Hey, in three months. We might be on to other topics. I, I hope so. Because <laughs> if, if I'm honest, too, I mean, this was a bit of a spicy episode for us. Um, and did you sense that? Yes. Yeah, it, it seems yeah. like this is may, maybe the most spicy episode we've ever had. <laughs> I don't know why exactly, but, you know, my concern with this whole uh, thing is is that the effect that it is having on uh, Christian friendships. And, I mean, I'm confident in our friendship. Um, right. we, we yes. can say anything to each other and, and I mean, I'm committed to you as a friend and, uh, mm-hmm. and you're committed to me as a friend. I'm not worried about that, but I mean, yes. how many people are there that might not get through this with the same friendships that they had beforehand? Cause somebody's church well, closed yeah. and the other guy's church didn't close. And, um, well, and just that I saw a response and I, and I didn't, yeah, I didn't know if I necessarily, if I wanted to say something about it, but you, you brought it up, you know, Facebook, um, Oh boy. While we say, yay, Facebook Live, it's helping churches. Facebook is a terrible medium for for debate and for yes. well, here's here's the problem and for with news. Facebook. For, it's a terrible source <laughs> yeah. of news. It it the problem with Facebook is uh, and it's not really just Facebook, it's probably it's really kind of inherent in our culture, present culture, is Facebook gives a platform, an equal platform to everybody. And I'm just gonna tell you, this probably doesn't sound right, and maybe I gotta think this through a little bit more. But not everybody's opinions are of equal weight, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so anybody can get on there and just kind of spout their thought, and they didn't think it through, and they didn't, you know, pen it and sleep on it, and, and then and then come back and publish it. They just said, "This is what I think. This is what's right." And uh, and so and then of course it just fuels the fire because now instead of I only know. You know, I only know the information that comes to me by the people that I run into, uh, figuratively speaking, on a, on a regular day. Now I'm exposed to hundreds of people, you know, more than I, I even physically normally would be because I'm scrolling through the page and she's speaking to me and he's speaking to me and I'm hearing from this person and that person. And now I'm burdened by what they say and I have to respond. And it's just kind of like an emotional thing. Yeah. But, you know, there was somebody who made the comment um, who basically... Uh, accused, uh, accused pastors. And I really, uh, it was, it struck me, um, as interesting that in that person, you know, that person deemed that their conscience was sufficient 
to answer the question for everybody. Um, and, and that's anyway, you're just kind of going to the fact that a lot of people feel strongly one way or the other about this. And so it does create, um, it, it creates a bit of controversy. And I guess, uh, I guess what I can just say to people is that like Tom and I do talk it out. Um, and Facebook honestly probably isn't a great place no, to talk it out. No, but if you could, you know, I don't, you know, those quote unquote friends on your Facebook page, my question is, do you really have the relationship with them to disagree with them? Hmm. If you don't, they're not really a friend, you right. know, those ones that you actually, you disagree with and you're concerned about what they think and you, and you, or you want to know why is it that you think like that? Go up and have a conversation with them and talk it out. And, um, I, I texted, uh, Tom, I texted you the other day and I said, um, I think I've come to a you know position on a certain spot, but I want your thoughts on it. You know, as I'm as I'm working through this, because um, you know it's it's obvious that we don't have the corner on all knowledge, and none of us can see from every angle. And so, even if if you have a strong position, at least be open to somebody else sharing theirs. And like later in our conversation, we were talking, and I wasn't thinking of something that you were thinking about. So it's sort of built into your assumption. You're saying, well. You know, and I, yeah. oh, okay, 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 I see, I get it. Now, now I can step back and go, I, I understand the illustration better. But anyway, so, you know, hey, I guess you can at least be charitable, be open to conversation with those people that you feel like you've got a friendship with. And, um, and at the very least, what you can do is you can go to reason together podcast at gmail.com and you can vent if you want to just vent right there or give us a specific question or give us your angle on things. Tell us what decision you've made, what bothers you, what doesn't bother you and why. And uh, whether yeah. we air that or not, it'll you'll be a part of our uh, the input. I don't know that if we get enough response, how much we'll be able to share. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine we'll get some more response with this episode than probably with other episodes we've done. Yeah. So anyway, you've got you've got somebody here that uh, that you can respond to, but maybe there'll be some other friends, too, that you can work through your your angst or your your fear, your worry with and uh, somebody be there to help talk you yeah. through it. All right. Well, thank you for being with us on this spicy episode of Reason Together. <laughs> we are encouraging balance, developing perspective and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together. <laughs>